And just like that, after a second loss to Miami in 24 hours, there is no more basketball in Bloomington this season. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Uh, Man, not going to be a fun show today. This is Locked On Hoosiers, your daily source for IU Athletics News. Uh, Thank you guys for making us your first listen. Thank you for joining us on this live stream. Uh, Again, to do that after a a loss like that, I, I appreciate the support because if you thought Sunday's loss to Miami was brutal, uh, this one, I think, is multiple degrees worse. A frustrating end to the season for the women's basketball team at home on Monday, upset by number nine seed Miami 70 to 68. And man, I can't imagine a more soul crushing 24 hours for sports fandom. It's probably out there. You can probably cite examples, but I certainly wouldn't wish these 24 hours on anybody to lose two bedrocks of programs like Trace and Grace were in. It's just shy of 24 hours as we're uh, recording this, streaming this live to lose both of them in the way that they did. And I think uh, expectations were a lot higher for both teams. I mean, Lord, we spent last week talking about the women's team and whether the Final Four was an expectation. Expectations were certainly higher than this, so to to lose them regardless was going to be tough. To lose them to second-round um, upsets to the same damn university, too. I don't ever want to see Miami blue or green and orange ever again. Uh, get that out of here. Um, man, a, a brutal way for this historic record-breaking season that the women's team had they deserved better than this ending and eventually we'll be able to look back at the fond memories of this season there were a lot of them but in the moment this one is a really really tough pill to swallow IU was a double digit favorite in this contest I believe a 14 point favorite in this contest and they come up short. It it was a it was a it was a weird game for a number of reasons. Uh, I mean, we'll get it out of the way first. That was the worst officiated game I've ever seen. It didn't favor either team. I it was there wasn't any level of consistency. There's a clip you can find on our Twitter. It'll probably be around on social media of the most obscene. It, like 30 seconds of basketball ever in which like you could put yakety sacks to it. It looked like roller derby at times out there. It didn't cost IU the game. IU had a whole lot of other reasons. They lost this game. But it, man, I thought when we got out of the Big Ten tournament, we were done with Big Ten officiating. But tonight made you yearn for Big Ten officiating. Ultimately, what cost Indiana this game is... And excuse me if my voice is hoarse. I was yelling about a couple of uh, Garzon three-pointers. Look, it comes down to as simple as play stupid games, win stupid prizes. 
It's a it's a harsh reality that this NCAA tournament is. IU didn't come out strong, aggressive, like there's any number of adjectives you can use. When IU came out of the gate out of the gates in that first half, they did not look like IU. You fall behind by I think the lead got as big as 14 points and you're playing catch up from that point on. You give a team like Miami confidence. Any team at this point in the tournament, you give them some confidence. Uh, it's it's going to multiply. And the way that Miami plays defense, the way they kind of turned it into a dogfight, literally at times, as we just talked about the officiating, IU was on the back foot for 40 minutes of this contest. Uh, and how many times did they get just close enough to... They tied the game a couple of times. They had a free throw to take the lead at one point. They had shots to go ahead late. They couldn't get over that hump. I don't believe in announcer jinxes, but I believe that I was tired of hearing that announcer talk about the fact IU didn't lead in the whole game, but it was true. I would hope a play-by-play crew could have something else to talk about, but it was the it was the truth. IU did not lead. They had to play an incredible third quarter to get back into the game. The third quarter is usually where they separate themselves from opponents on Monday. That's where they had to close the gap. And there's a huge difference there. And it it costs the Hoosiers on, on Monday. You can't play around in the NCAA tournament. There's a number of things that were abnormalities on Monday. Miami came in a I believe it was a 31% three-point shooting team that went 8 of 14, and they were hitting everything in the first half. It doesn't – I mean, you can look at statistical trends. You can look at kind of what you expect, but this isn't a series. This isn't a season. It's one game, and in one game, uh, Miami went from a team that shot 31% from three on – 17 attempts per game to 57% from three on 14 attempts tonight. And the contrast to that is IU has been a really good three point shooting team themselves. And they went five of 15. They didn't make a three pointer. I think they only had one in the first half. And if not for a couple of incredible gears on shots at the end of the game, that would have been three of 13. So you can't play around in tournament games and IU found out, the hard way. IU looked like IU in the second half, but they spent the whole first half looking like I honestly don't even really know how to analyze that first half entirely. We're going to talk about it. But uh I that it to even say they didn't play like IU is um like an understatement. It was just a really bizarre performance from him in the first half. It's like they were surprised that Miami came out with that level of aggressiveness. There were some similarities to the men's game. They didn't give up 20 offensive rebounds, but Miami was the aggressor in both the men's and women's games, and the Hoosiers were having to play on the back foot. They made runs, but the men's team got over the hump briefly. But still, I mean, there were similarities there. Brutal way for this one to end. Let's talk a little bit more about that, what happened in this game. I It's... It's a lot to process. If you have thoughts about the game, put them in the, the chat down below. We'll read them out. Before we do all that, 
the tournament is heating up, even without the Hoosiers. Now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. Uh, so don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to you guys again for making us your first listen. Make sure you check out Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Man, that it I'm reading quotes now as they're coming through and you have to it, you have to feel for the Hoosiers and the way this one played out. Like I said, Miami was the aggressor in this one. The defense seemed to surprise Indiana and literally I think at times knocked them on their heels. That was a very aggressive, very physical Miami team. And IU did not adjust well in the first half. They, it's not that they were playing timid. It's just that they, it seemed like they weren't expecting that from the Canes. I'm sure that was in the scouting report, but IU seemed surprised by it. And like I said, it was entirely out of character for this Indiana team. I don't know if, I don't know. It, it was a weird final four games for Indiana. You look at the Michigan State game in the Big Ten tournament. They trailed for a lot of that game, came back, won. The Ohio State game, they looked great for a half and then put together their worst half of the season. The Tennessee Tech game, obviously you're playing without McKenzie Holmes, but that first quarter was really bad too. They end up taking control and winning by 30 points. But then tonight, they were, I mean, as the announcer said multiple times, they never led. And that first half was, I don't, I don't even know, like you could say it's as bad as Indiana played. That might be true. It was just so bizarre. That wasn't anything when IU didn't play well before they were like playing as IU normally does, but not executing. A lot of times it was turnovers, maybe missed shots where you could see kind of like, oh, well, you know, if shots start falling, if they don't throw the ball away, if. Uh, they do this, they do that, then we'll be fine. With that first half, it just didn't look like Indiana. Mackenzie Holmes, to a degree, was, I don't want to say part of the problem. It took her a while to get up to speed, and then she ultimately 
ends up the leading scorer in the contest with 22 points on 10 of 19 shooting. But that was kind of a microcosm of Indiana as a whole. She did not look good in the first half. She was honestly being dominated by Pindande uh, in the post. And Pindande was the second leading scorer in the contest with 19 points. She didn't look herself. I was very worried about her status because it was clearly costing Indiana in the first half. But then the second half starts, Grace Berger absolutely was willing this team on. She was not ready to go out like that. And that's obviously the person you feel worse for, that that this is the end for Grace Berger, much like it was with Trace. And much like it was with Trace, she did everything she could in this contest to will this team forward. 17 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. She was dragging this team along to start in the second half. Mackenzie Holmes finally got things going, started to get some shots to fall. By the end of the game, she looked like Mackenzie Holmes again, but she spotted Miami a half where she didn't look like Mackenzie Holmes, and Miami took full advantage of that. The defense, I think, for the Hoosiers got energized by how the offense was playing, which, I mean, that kind of goes both ways. Uh, The defense didn't play great in the... First half, by any means, leaving perimeter players open. I mean, when you say Miami shot 8 of 14, yeah, it might be uncharacteristic, but how many of those were open looks? And when you give a team open looks, a Division One team, a team in the NCAA tournament, if you give them open looks, more often than not, they're going to they're gonna knock them down, and you're flirting with danger at that point. In the second half, the defense was more aggressive, not giving as many open looks, getting stops, getting rebounds. Again, it was an incredible third quarter from Terry Morin and the Hoosiers outscored him 19-8 to make up almost the entirety of that deficit, but it wasn't enough. Fourth quarter, I think not being able to get over that hump really kind of started to be as much of a mental toll almost as anything there. How many times I, I, you would have to go back and look, but how many times did the Hoosiers get the game tied, get within a point to where a basket would have put them ahead and they didn't score. It was everybody too. It was grace. It was McKenzie. It was Chloe. It was a lot of very, very reliable players that came up short on shots that, Would have been huge shots and huge momentum swings. Just seeing that scoreboard finally flip, I think, would have done a world of wonders in this game. The Hoosiers finally back ahead. The Miami finally falling behind. I don't know that it would have, that specifically would have um, been the game, but you, there's just this mental edge, I think, that it gives a team. Credit to the crowd, man. They they were willing Indiana as long, along as much as anybody or anything was. And they did all they could in this one. The final looks, there might be some criticism. Um, the first one from Chloe Moore McNeil, that one, man, that one I think is probably going to haunt her for a while because she. I, I saw a lot of people discuss that Mackenzie Holmes didn't get the ball late. That first shot, it was about to be a screen and roll for 
Chloe and McKenzie with probably the idea of getting the ball to McKenzie. Chloe made the right read. The hesitation, she rejected the screen and was wide open for a layup that she's made a million times in her life. And I don't know if it she got her steps wrong, if she lost the ball. It was, honestly, it was an egregiously bad miss. And so, again, I don't have a problem with that shot. It was the right read, the right play. You get a lifeline. By them missing two free throws, Grace comes down, and I tweeted before that, get Grace the ball. I trust Grace with the ball in this situation. That shot, it wasn't the highest percentage shot, but it is 100% a shot that Grace has made time and time again this season. I was fine with that shot, and she went quick so that they had time for another chance, which proved important because, my God, Yarden Garzon, an unbelievable uh, pair of three-pointers late in this game. She tied it, I believe it's 65, with a corner three-pointer before that Chloe Moore McNeil shot. And then in that, fi- or that final timeout, I was thinking Sidney Parrish had fouled out. It felt like Garzon's a person to go to, but that's a hell of a spot to put a freshman in. If they if it would have been a spot up three pointer, um, I would have been that would have felt like a lot of pressure. She caught that ball, crossed over and hit a step back three pointer to tie the game. My, the my word, I'm not gonna get over how clutch that shot was. Gerzon's going to be a the next star for the Hoosiers. I've said that early on in the season. That's gonna be a kind of a legacy moment. A uh, I don't want to say like a coming out party because she's been this player all season long, but you're going to look back at the end of her career and think about those shots that she hit in this game. She wasn't great the whole night, but she made a pair of enormous shots for the Hoosiers. Wasn't enough. Uh, The final shot for Miami, it might've been a travel. It was the right decision to go into the paint. It's a, uh, I don't know. I I mean, you could say it should have been a travel. It had been a really tough call. IU shouldn't let the ball get that deep and shouldn't let the shot kind of be that clean. I, I think the more frustrating thing is that they didn't even get a shot up at the end and didn't even get a chance to tie it or win it with a final shot. And that's that. That's how the NCAA tournament works. And deserving teams go down. I, I'm i not going to make the argument now because it just comes off as sour grapes. But the NCAA tournament does not always, and in fact, rarely crowns the best team as champions just by the one and done nature. So let's take another break. Do a brief kind of outlook for this team moving forward. Uh they, it's a much different outlook than the men's team. There's going to be a lot of turnover on the men's side. I don't think that'll be the case on the women's side, but we'll talk about that here in just one moment. We kind of alluded to it and the, the, the men's team, they have a lot of seniors graduating player. Jalen hood. Shafino is going to the NBA almost certainly transfer portal, things like that. That team's going to have a lot of turnover. 
I don't think that is going to be the case at all with the women's team. You're going to lose Grace. Um, you're only losing Grace and Alyssa Geary to graduation. There can obviously be transfers and things like that. That's impossible to predict. But sheerly to graduation, that's all you're losing. Mackenzie Holmes is coming back. Sarah Scalia is coming back. Both of them are using their COVID year to come back. Uh, and outside of that, that's it. Like everybody else is set to come back. I won't, we'll talk about Grace and kind of her legacy. I'm not going to do it just mentioning and passing in a third segment of a podcast right after the game. We're going to do a whole episode on Grace. We're going to do a whole episode on Trace. Lord knows we have the time to do it now. <laughs> the seasons are over. But the, uh, I, I think there's a lot more stability with this team. I don't think the transfer portal is quite as prevalent on the women's side. It hasn't been for Indiana. I mean, you think back to two years ago where they made the Elite Eight and brought effectively everybody back. You're kind of in a similar scenario. You obviously have an enormous hole to replace with Grace Berger being gone. But you have pieces there that can step in. And, I mean, it makes sense for Scalia to go back into the starting lineup. Lexus Bargesser was had kind of spot minutes throughout the season. She'll probably have a bigger role this year. Henna Sandvik played a little bit this season. Lily Meister obviously had a much bigger role in the NCAA tournament this year and looks absolutely ready to contribute. And then you have two Gatorade Players of the Year and Jules Lamandola and Lene Beaumont coming in that could be impact. Uh, players as well, similar to how Bargesser and Meister were this year. That's a pair of guards. So there's a lot, I think, a lot more stability. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see. There's not going to be nearly as many transfer rumors and uh, things like that on the women's side. If you think back again to last year, Sarah Scalia committed out of nowhere to the Hoosiers. But as we learn things, we'll pass them along. It's just going to be a tough one to swallow moving forward. It is not at all how I expected this week to go. I had kind of planned things out for some coverage about the Sweet 16 this weekend. What a roller coaster of a weekend. Uh, Friday and Saturday, they're about a 12-hour stretch where the men win, the women win. It was a lot of celebrating on the show we did live on Saturday. And then a 24-hour stretch on Sunday and Monday where everything collapses and crumbles to the ground. So take some time and process this one. Uh, that'll be that's going to be a tough one. I, I think we'll probably and I, I've seen some comparisons to this uh, the 2013 IU men's team that was it the ending was a disappointment, but. You remember so much about that season, so much about the games they won, the title they won, the Big Ten title they won, things like that. I remember that 2013 team very, very fondly. That's how we're going to remember this women's team. In the moment, and really since then, that men's loss to Syracuse has stung, and this women's loss to Miami is going to sting forever. I want them in the Big Ten ACC Challenge next year, and I want to beat them by a bajillion points. So we'll see. Uh, it's a, it's, 
This is gonna. This is a frustrating one again to lose. Just a big thank you to Grace and Trace for for everything they've meant to this program for the last four years, five years uh, of their careers. Thank you for what you've given to this program. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. <laughs> Again, we'll be back this week. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Well, I'll, I'm going to be honest. I wasn't anticipating having to do season recap. So we'll, we'll eventually recap every player on the men's and women's side. I don't know if those will start this week or not. We have some men's transfer rumors and potential visits we can talk about this week as well. So there's stuff to talk about. I just wasn't planning on talking about it yet. So we'll dive into that for your second listen. Check out locked on college basketball, Isaac Shaden, Andy Patton, bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube, wherever you guys get podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Hoosiers. Subscribe. We'll have plenty of off-season content. We're not going away. We're still going to be daily. Be sure you subscribe, leave a rating and review, all of that great stuff. Thank you guys for supporting us through the season, through the tournament. It was, we're on pace to break records this month as well. Hopefully we can keep that pace without a tournament to talk about, but appreciate the support regardless. We'll be here as always. Hope you guys have a terrific Tuesday. Most importantly, Elio. <laughs>